The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. In combat sports, competitors stand eye to eye with their rivals, refusing to give up an inch to their opponent by breaking the gaze. How good is this? Robbie stared down Rory Joe. Rory was going nowhere. But for many of them, and more than 50 million Americans, they often suffer in silence with an opponent that can't always be seen. This man has incredible weight on his shoulders right now. Sirius XM Fight Nation presents The Silent Fight. An in-depth discussion about dealing with and overcoming the silent challenges of mental health. Here's your host, Dave LaGreca. This is Dave LaGreca, and welcome to The Silent Fight, SiriusXM Fight Nation's candid discussion about mental health and combat sports. Pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing are home to some of the toughest, most resilient athletes on the planet. But that doesn't mean they're immune to the struggles of mental health. Over the next hour, I'll have in-depth conversations with four of our hosts here on Fight Nation to see how each individual balances their own personal mental health battles with battles we see them in under the bright lights. We won't waste another minute. So my first guest is UFC light heavyweight Anthony Lionheart Smith, who over the last year has had to overcome injury struggles as well as the personal trauma of the tragic passing of his mother. Anthony, how does mental health affect your performance and other fighters in a physically taxing sport like MMA? At this point in my career, you know, we can we can all fight at this point in our careers. When you start getting into the top 10, top five in the world, uh, everybody can throw punches, everyone can kick, everyone can grapple. So usually it's the most mentally stable person or mentally healthy person that, that seems to do better. And I've been on both ends of that spectrum. You know, we are humans and we're just regular people for the most part. You know, I, I meet a lot of people and probably the number one thing I get all the time is, wow, you're just so normal. Like, well, what do you guys expect? <laughs> I got, I got regular problems. I got regular things that I got going on. I got insecurities. I got, I got a, a whole bunch of maybe, maybe more so than the average person with just the, the stressors that, that this life brings it a lot of times. When you have a big fight mentally, when you're preparing for that, you just said insecurities. Does any of that sink in before a big fight or are you at that point in your career where you don't even think about it in those terms anymore? Do you mentally get nervous before a big fight? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's peaks and valleys as you make your way through a training camp, you know, when you first get that, that call and you, you see that name on that piece of paper, you know, you get that kind of rush of, all right, we got to, we're going to go ready, get, get ready and go do this again. Um, and then, you know, you start worrying, you start looking at things, you start looking at their strengths and then you have to, you always have to address your own weaknesses and 
you know, you start seeing how those things compare with each other. And, and, you know, as the camp goes on, you start to get more confident and, and you're growing and you're getting better and your conditioning comes around. You're not as tired as you were at the beginning. And then right before the fight, there's always those, I don't know if I would call it nerves. I think that nerves are, it's all relative to the person. Someone told me a long time ago that, that nervousness and anxiety and excitement and, you know, kind of jubilation is kind of all the same chemical reaction inside the body. It's just, uh, it's just how you perceive it. So uh, I get very anxious for sure, uh, you know, leading up to it, but I, I'm not sure that I would perceive it as nervousness. I, I, I try to, I try to tell myself I'm just excited. He feels the same way. And then and honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how you feel. You still got to make that walk. I know from hosting busted open, the wrestling fans at time can be toxic in the world of MMA. Is it the same way? And if, and if it is, how do you combat that? Or does it even affect you at all? Again, I, when I was younger, I used to deal with it a little bit different. But yes, to answer your question, there there is a lot of toxic MMA fans and, and you know, quote unquote, egg avatars on Twitter that just roast you. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, at the end, when I was younger, it used to hurt my feelings. And I would re I'd read the comments and I would just go down this rabbit hole. Just why does everyone hate me? You know, and why, what did I do? And and when you lose, you're 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 just the biggest piece of shit on the planet and you, you can't fight and you don't know what you're doing. And then when you win, you're not as good as they say you are. You, you got lucky. You know, it just, you can go back through my DMS though. And you can look at earlier messages from some of those people. And at one point in time, I was their favorite fighter. And then you lose and you're, you know, like at 10 AM on a Saturday, I'm their favorite fighter and, and they're behind me all the way. And then at 10 PM, if I don't do as well as they want me to, uh, I'm the worst person on the planet. So it, it, I just don't let it, I just don't read it anymore. I just don't let it affect me. I, I, cause you can really, like, like you said, we're humans. You can really get your feelings hurt. Uh, if you start just taking in a bunch of negative energy and I used to react to it and I'd respond on Twitter and I'd be so mad, but then I realized like, I never responded to the people that were saying nice things to me. So why was I giving so much energy to the negative things? And so I just, I just don't intake it anymore. You, I guess it's just about a year now, you lost your mom mm -hmm. and then you had a fight after that. Like how do you mentally prepare after such a, a big loss in your life uh, to be able to quickly kind of just get mentally prepared to step back into that cage to have a fight? You know, kind of going into it, I, I've just, I've been chasing this dream since I was 17 years old. This is the only thing I've done and been focused on my entire adult life. You know, this, I, I've literally grown from a boy to a man and it, while doing this. So when, when my mom passed, I, I, fighting was the only thing I could control. And, and, you know, my coaches and my wife and, and a lot of other people said, you know, why don't you just take a step back and handle this emotionally and mentally. And then, and then you, you can get back on the horse and go back and fight and just don't fight this time. But I, I just can't, I can't ever bring myself to say that I'm, and, and this is probably one of my biggest flaws. I, I don't have the ability to say out loud that I can't do something. I, I just don't, I don't have the ability to, even if I know it inside, uh, if I know that there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I'll still go down that road knowing that there is no light at the end of the tunnel because I'm not man enough to say that I can't do it. And, and this was one of those times going into that training camp. You know, I thought, you know, I'll just deal with, I'll deal with the mental and emotional stuff for my mom. I'll just check it. I'll just put it in the back of my head. I won't deal with it. And, and I'll deal with it after the fight. 
well, at some point in time, the wheels are going to fall off and it, yeah. you can, you can pretend that you can control it as much as you want, but really all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. And the the end result is always going to be the wheels are going to fall off. I, and I'm not under, I'm not under control when that happens. Um, but I thought I could, and you know, I'm not making excuses. He beat me fair and square. You know, I broke my leg in the fight. So then that kind of adds on to the stresses, you know? So like I grind through the training camp, I'm dealing with the, I'm pushing, just pushing the feelings down in my emotions and I'm pushing it down with the hope that there's going to be a, a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. And then when there wasn't, it was suddenly not worth it anymore. So I had to deal with that. You know, I had to, I had to go back and I didn't really have a choice. I think me breaking my leg in that fight was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because had I lost that fight, but still been healthy, I would have never had the, I would have never had to have, well, even if I would have won it, I wouldn't have had the, there was no reason for me to start working on myself. I would have just got right back into another training camp. I would have went on on. Maybe I would have fought it again. Maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know, but I would have never dealt with it. Once I broke my leg, I didn't have a choice. I had to sit down and and I had to deal with it. And, you know, then, you know, then the blood clots and all the other stuff that came along with that just slowed my return, which in turn gave me more time to just find peace, you know, and, and it's never perfect. It's never good. There's never really any getting over it, but the days don't seem as long eventually, you know, and you you don't cry as much and you don't stew on it as much. So I'm, I owe it to everybody to show them that like, I'm okay now. I'm, I, maybe I wasn't before, but I'm okay now that I've done the mental work that I've been with my therapist, that I've allowed myself to not be okay. That's, I think that's what I'm most excited about. It's just going in there. Okay. I don't think it gets talked about enough. Um, I think the more people that are just out there that are walking down the street with their headphones in their ears, listening to this conversation, maybe they're headed to work and they're just not in a great place. Um, I think other people need to know that other people aren't okay. And I know that sounds crazy, but um, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had more definitely at the highest level of sports, because we do have a platform. And uh, if, if, if my platform is going to be used to just say, Hey, I'm kind of messed up too. <laughs> and it makes someone else feel better. Uh, that, 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 that's all that matters to me. Well, thanks Anthony for being a part of this show and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. Coming up next, gentleman, Jerry Cooney opens up on addiction, taking over his boxing career. Tell people there's no more do-overs. There's no more practice runs. This is it now. And I'm so grateful that I had the courage to stand up and make the change. That's next on The Silent Fight. This is The Silent Fight on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Spend your afternoons with Jimmy Smith on Unlocking the Cage. Do we have fun on this show or do we have fun on this show? Gain unfiltered analysis on the unforgiving world of fighting. If you're looking for fair, you've come to the wrong place. Fair doesn't exist in MMA. And hear from some of the heaviest hitters in the sport. John Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Jimmy Smith, guys. That's Jimmy freaking Smith right there. Listen to Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Love your show, brother. It's the best. On Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, and cold-press them to create a taste like no other. 
They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back to The Silent Fight, Sirius XM Fight Nation's candid discussion on mental health in combat sports. Here's your host, Dave LaGreca. Welcome back to The Silent Fight. I'm your host, Dave LaGreca, and one of the most beloved figures in boxing joins me now to discuss his battles with addiction at the height of his boxing career and his path to sobriety. Gentleman Jerry Cooney is my next guest on The Silent Fight. Jerry, what are some of the mental health issues you dealt with in your career that other professional boxers are likely dealing with today? We have issues. Like I grew up in a dysfunctional alcoholic family where there was no answers. We didn't, we hid out so we wouldn't get in trouble. And we had a, I had a face life that way. Now that's low self-esteem, no confidence, fear, loneliness, emptiness. That's how I became a fighter. And that's how most, most combat guys get. They get pushed into it. Like I, my friends went to college. I wasn't going to college. I was on the United States boxing team and I had a chance to see how far I could go. And listen, every day I tell people, David, that you're, you're in your dressing room 
and there's a knock on the door and the guy says, okay, Cooney, you're next. And the first thing you say is, oh shit. And then you take that long walk down that empty corridor. And then you hear the roar of the crowd and that's when you become magical. You forget everything. And it, it's, a life, it's a life experience. And listen, we, we do things to sabotage ourselves. We don't train properly in case, like my father always told me, like, you're not going to make it. You're no good. You can't do nothing. It's almost like we self-sabotage ourselves in some way. So in case you, we don't make it, there was a reason behind it. And that's a terrible thing to have to be faced with. And growing up in that kind of atmosphere in that household, you can't trust nobody. You can't ask anybody your questions. And that's how you face life. And unfortunately for me, I was filled with rage and anger. And I, when I got into the ring, obviously, you know, when the bell rang, there's no more thinking about it. You got to fight. You have a, you're smart enough to have a couple of plans and you listen to your trainer and you take off. But in the biggest fight of my life against Holmes, I didn't take care of myself. Now I found out from Larry Holmes. He never drank, never drugged, never smoked a cigarette his whole career. I was drinking at 12. To, to, it filled that hole in my body that made me feel attractive. I could fit in. I was funny. The girls could, I could talk to the girls. And that was a, a big problem. And, you know, it took years to come around and to make my mistakes, to fall down, to get up, dust my pants off, and get on. You mentioned uh, low self-esteem. But you also mentioned about the roar of the crowd. Like, did those victories in the ring, did the roar of the crowd, did it help fill that void that you had when it came to your self-esteem? Well, I, I, I was a gifted guy. I, had, I could punch. I, was a, uh, I, I had a, the ability. I never believed in myself because I wasn't, I wasn't raised with someone telling me, it's good, kid. You're doing good. This is great. You know, I get to work with kids today and I watch self-esteem grow in them. I watch confidence. and they, It's not just in boxing. They take it out with them in their lives and they go to college and they ask questions and they have confidence. That's the gift that we got to, uh, you know, promote. And, you know, out, listen, alcohol and drugs is so prevalent throughout the world. We need help. People need help. The family system has broken down. No one cares anymore. And, and what we do is we look back and say, wow, what happened? When did you come to the realization that I, I am a good person? I, I have confidence in myself. I don't need this bottle. I don't need to drink in order to build up my confidence. What did it take for you to finally say, I have to put this bottle down and take care of myself? Well, I mean, I was made believe uh, to feel normal. I was comparing my insides with your outsides. I could never match up. But I had a couple of drinks. I, it, it made better sense. Now, also, I, I, I picked people to cover that for me. I used to be involved with women that I should have never been involved. They shouldn't have been involved with me. But it hit out. I hit out of there. I put it off. I didn't look at it. I didn't address it. And then, you know, you get in the ring. Obviously, when the bell rings, you got to fight. You don't get a chance. Well, maybe I'm going to do it. You got to fight. And, and, and it fit in. And it worked. And then it came the time where it didn't really work anymore. And I was lost. And I was past the, past the level of recovery. And I had to really start to think about it. And that happens, you know, after I lost to Holmes in 82. 
It took a year and a half for the fight to take place. It was on, it was off. All this stuff was going on. And I lost the fight. And then it took me from June 11th, 1982 till April 21st, 1988. And I put it down. That was uh, this past, this past month. It was 35 years. I put it all wow. down and I started to address the problem. Look at myself and change. Now we don't have to spend all those years doing it. We need to get the message out so people can say, well, Hey, let me take a listen here. Let me read this book. Let me see what this guy's doing. That's the gift. Did the, the pressures of boxing uh, hurt your alcoholism or, or did that really, was that really not a factor for you at all? I wasn't equipped to be, I was this kid that hid out in the, in the basement of my house, became this guy that was, uh, you know, fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. And, but I never processed, I never dealt with those issues. And so we, when it comes, it comes and it came and I cried out, please help me. I need help. And, uh, and that's what happened. And I started to turn it around. Now, obviously that was 88, right? So I had mm -hmm. another fight in that time, but I wasn't really prepared emotionally, mentally from this, whatever you want to call it, strife or dysfunction or loss or emptiness, or whatever it is. And then I started to address it. And uh, wow, today I've got the greatest life in the world. I help people every day. And my low self-esteem from years ago, when I would help someone, I'd want you to pat me on the back. Today, helping somebody is the deal. What advice do you give to somebody who's hurting? What, do you, what advice can you give to somebody that has issues, has problems, don't know how to deal with it? Because I'm sure you see it every day. And I'm sure that was part of your recovery is to be able to realize that you finally had a problem and, had, and you had to deal with it. What do you say to somebody who has those same demons that are reaching out for help? Write about it. What's in your head? What's going on? Put the drink down or the drug down for 90 days. Try it. See how that works out for you. And most people can't do that because you want to numb out. You don't want to feel. You want to, you know, you have to start to look at the picture. And, you know, for me, I wrote my story out and realized I didn't kill anybody. I hurt myself. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of mistakes. My kids are going through some of the issues, like not with drinking and that thing, but anxiety, yep. fear, confusion. The world is going through it. But I want to take my kids out of it. I want them to, I want to fix them. But, but what, what we forget is that part of them getting over it is they grow from that. They have to work through the pain themselves. Now, we can help direct them but they have to process it. They have to figure it out so they can be strong and, and get to where they're going. And Jerry, I, I think it's generational too, because I think like when you were younger, you know, there people didn't realize, you know, anxiety and mental health and how important that is. Like, it was just something like you just go, get up in the morning, do your job, don't complain. And, and I think in a, in a lot of ways, you know, people are much more open-minded now about that and much more educated about that. But I, but I do feel bad for a lot of people that, you know, grew up in an, in an environment where it was that kind of mindset where it's like, come on, you know, dust yourself off, you know, throw some dirt on and get back in the, in the game. And when it comes to your mental health, you know, 
it's it's more painful than being physically injured. Like it really does take a lot of cons, you know, consoling from people who loved you and friends, but also understanding yourself that there's an issue and that there's a problem and that you need help and that you need to reach out to somebody. A lot of people want to play basketball. They want to be NBA stars. I say, unfortunately, most of you are not going to make it. So you have to have a backup plan. Same thing with boxing was a gift to me. I didn't have to go through that anxiety, how to get in the ring and, and, and work with that. But in this time of life, the pressure is so much deeper, so much bigger than we could even understand as adults for these kids. It's a struggle. It's a fight. We got to pick ourselves up, dust off our pants and move forward again and again. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in it. Like that's another thing too. I think a lot of people just don't know how to reach out or how, how to ask for help because they may be embarrassed or they might think that there's some shame in that. And, and I think people have to realize there isn't like the only shame is not reaching out, not asking for help. And, and I think once you ask for help and realizing that you can ask for help, then that's probably a lot of times the only solution that you need is that, Hey, there's somebody there that's going through the same thing that I'm going through. Yeah. And you know, David, but when you're in it, I don't want to tell anybody I'm, I'm weak. I'm, I haven't got any understanding. I'm confused. I'm fearful. I don't want to, so I keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. and I keep my mouth shut and it gets worse and worse. And, you know, I, you know, I, I grew up with this. I understand. I've, I've been, been uh, 35 years. I've been involved in this. I understand the process. Most people don't get it. You know, I was at this place one time with a friend of mine and there was about 80 disheveled people. And he was, he was telling these people, you know, who were struggling with life and answers and questions and work and process. Most of you are not going to be able to make it by this time next year. And I thought to myself, wow. why would you say that? So I asked him, do you know what he told me? He said, because it's the truth. It's the truth. And that scared me that day. That scared me. And it made me look at things differently in that, listen, time is going fast. We we don't get do-overs. We don't get to figure that out. Do yeah. we make mistakes? We do. But we're not killing anybody. We're not doing anything unless we're risking driving in a car and doing dumb things. We have to take a look at ourselves. And that's the last person we want to look at, but we have to. If You know, I think about fighters and, you know, I had a foundation to help fighters. They have problems with spouses, with children with work with health mental illness i mean it's it's such a a big pile of lists that have to be addressed but you know you you're a man you're a fighter and your manager tells you don't worry i'll pay the rent i'll pay the i'll pay the insurance i'll make the car payment because it's not it's not his money it's our money but we're not we're not growing up yeah we're not we're not really so here we are now 35 and there's a new guy on the block and we're finished. Where do we go? Who do we talk to? There's not much there for us. So we think. All these years that you've been sober, realizing you had a problem, realizing that it grew a lot deeper than just alcoholism, but it did stem from a lot more than that. And I want to congratulate you, you know, on winning that struggle that you've been dealing with for so long and that now you feel comfortable enough 
that you could reach out to people and to help people. That's a real gift, even more than what you were able to do in a ring as a boxer. To be able to help people, uh, I, I know for you must must be make must make you very very proud. And I want to congratulate you on that. All right, and David, listen, I want to tell you something. So you got fighters that are thirty five, and they were going to be world champions. Now they're contenders. Now they're opponents. Now they're sparring partners. We need to get those guys out of the ring and in your business as well. And then you got people who are just going to school with no help. Yeah. Confused, frightened, scared. So anyway, David, listen, it's great being with you always. You know, I always tell the truth. This is a fight we're in. And there's answers that we can make peace with and fit in. But if I don't ask the questions, if I don't even know the questions, how am I going to get any of the answers? Well, Jerry, thanks for sharing some of those answers with us. And thanks for being a part of this show. Coming up next, a powerful conversation with former AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. There were days that I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I've said it on my, on my YouTube channel. I wanted to kill myself. Everything stopped and, and there's nothing you can do. That's next on The Silent Fight. This is The Silent Fight on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. MMA Today is your home for the best coverage of the combat sports game. And that's a fact! UFC contenders Anthony Smith and Angela Hill team up with Dean Thomas and RJ Clifford to give you the most entertaining fight show on the planet. Don't believe it? You'll have to tune in to find out. I'm not selling it. You don't have to buy it. I'm just telling you how it actually is. MMA Today, Tuesday through Thursday, from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. The toughest battles are often the ones that take place within the mind. This is The Silent Fight, brought to you by Sirius XM, Fight Nation. Here is your host, Dave LaGreca. Welcome back to The Silent Fight. I'm your host, Dave LaGreca. My busted open co-host, Thunder Rosa, had to scratch and claw her whole career to claim the AEW women's title, only to have her shining moment marred by injury. Her battle to return to the ring is one she's currently still waging. Thunder Rosa joins me here on The Silent Fight. Thunder, how did you deal with going through that mentally after achieving your goal, but then having to let that goal go? It's a process. You have no control over it. It's when it comes with health, like you have no control over it. Like mm-hmm. for so many nights, like I really kicked myself in the head and I was like, I should have just had one more match and just let it all out. You know, if I got hurt more, whatever. But it was like what that one time and when I decided to do something because of my health and I decided to make that decision and I, I didn't know what the consequences were going to be and how people were going to react. I was just thinking about my own physical health. And at the time when um, everything was happening, I was not in a good mental state too. I was trying to like hide a lot of stuff because I was having some personal issues and like being on top, just, you know, exacerbate everything else that is happening in your life. So I just feel like no matter what you do, like you always are, 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 are being criticized and you are always like, it, nothing is good enough. Like you're always doing something wrong. And I, I feel like you put a, a loop over it and it's just like, it magnifies everything. And um, being under that kind of pressure was, was very difficult and not having the time to really just let it, let it go. And like, cause sometimes like, you know, when people get injured, they, they take some time off and, and, and people are, are cool. And they're not saying anything. They're not feeling attacked, but I feel like 
when that happened, not only knowing that I will have to relinquish something that I worked really hard for, it was hard enough, but adding all the other levels of things on social media, uh, the constant asking what's going on, if like if you're really injured or not, that really hurt even more and made things much more difficult that they were mentally for me. There were days that I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I've said it on my on my YouTube channel. I wanted to kill myself. Wow. Like everything stopped and, and there's nothing you can do. And I'm so thankful that I have a really good team and I had a really good family. My son, I think he's the one who's helped me the most. And um, he, he helped me many times, many nights, just tell me that everything was going to be okay. And I was lucky enough to have some resources and I was able to be on in therapy and they, they were not good sessions at times. It was a lot of crying. There was a lot of letting things go and accepting that, accepting that things that you cannot change and just moving forward. And that's the thing that, you know, I don't think people really realize is that Thunder, like, and we'll get into your journey in just a second and the road that it took you to accomplish winning that championship. But like the physical pain is one thing you're dealing with the physical pain. And it's also the mental anguish of knowing that you have to give that championship up and that you can't get into the ring and fulfill this. But it's also like the criticism and, and it's easy to say, all right, well, you just stay off social media. But like, I know for a fact, being as close to you as I am and being your friend, like, like it was impossible to get away with because people you work with were doing it. And, you know, it, it, it's just, it's the constant grind of it. And like, it's, you did your best. Like the last thing you wanted was to be injured. The last thing you wanted was to not be able to get into the ring. And that's exactly what happened. And I just wish people, and this goes across the board, not just in your circumstance, but for everybody, patience, understanding, realizing things, putting yourself in another person's shoes. And it's so easy to criticize when it doesn't happen to you and God forbid it doesn't happen to them. But like you were dealing with it the best that you could. The last thing you needed was the backlash that you received. And I'm sorry that that had to happen to you. You know, it it, it happened and um, and it was like, you know, going back and, and looking at things, it was very hard. Again, I think uh, it would have been a lot easier just to like just relinquish the title and, and, and get, you know, the, the feedback that I got. Because people were going to be upset no matter what. Because I think a lot of people thought I was making it up because they didn't really see the injury happen in, in a match. Like some people break their legs or like the knee gives up, the ankle gives up, and it's actually, you can see it. This is something that happened and I start feeling the pain. And then when you get MRIs and you get all the studies that you need to get done, that's when they tell you you are really injured, right? So um, yeah, it was it was very unfortunate and I really didn't want it to affect me and my psychic, but I really did uh, because like you mentioned, um, even when I was at home, it was like constant, like text messaging or people asking me if I was okay. And that, I mean, I didn't know cause I, I got off social media big time and, and people were just sending me links. People would send me articles. It was stuff. I think that's probably one of the toughest things that I have to go through because not only of, of what I was going physically, but I was like, I was mentioning, I was having some other personal issues that were, pretty latent right there. And, and I had to deal with that at the same time, along with all the change that was happening. Right. And um, I dealt with the best of my ability. I utilized my resources. I was in therapy with a regular therapist and a psychiatrist. Um, 
I think one of the things that I, I was, I'm all very open and I've said it before I, I started using medication because I didn't want to medicate myself with, with alcohol or, or drugs. And I did not use painkillers on purpose because I think that's another way that you can go really go down on the, on the rabbit hole or on the dark hole. And you can't get out of that because you become addicted to those things. So, um, I became really well aware of that. Um, meditation was one of the things that I tried. Uh, I, I usually do it at night more than anything else, because that's where a lot of the intrusive thoughts come in. And, um, and I was at, at points, you know, and, and people go through a lot of things in different aspects of their lives. And I think uh, the best advice that I got was like taking it at points minute by minute, because one minute I was okay. And the next minute I was just crying and, and, and being angry and, and, and having outbursts. And then and it is hard because there are certain things that are fulfilled in your life and you feel like you should be thankful, but there's other things. And we're just like questioning why is this is happening to you? Why, why is this disruption of your life happening? And, and knowing that you have to need, live and you have to adapt and live in another reality. And I think that's the hardest part. And some people can never, never really like get out of that. You know, a lot of people who listen to Busted Open have heard your journey. You've been very open about it and the road that you took to get to AEW, to get to that world championship. And you did. You you busted your ass. And, you know, you really got to a point where I feel that you proved all the doubters wrong. Is that something that's important to you? Or is that something you don't even think about? Because for your mental health, you can't think about outsiders and what people are saying or thinking about you. I think at, at this point, I don't think about it anymore. I just have to live my life, right? Um, one of the persons that come to mind when, when I think about hearing other people is Hannah Kimura and Hannah committed suicide uh, right at the beginning of, of COVID because she was in a reality show and she became really famous all of a sudden. And one of the episodes, she they painted her as being you know, not very grateful. And that really hurt her. She was a very kind soul. So I'm a kind soul by defect. Right. And um, I let a lot of things go through the button that I have right here in my heart. And it just like went through and then really, really puncture it. And I feel like, I mean, I was, I was looking at different pictures and then like, you feel when you're like bleeding all the time, like they have wounds in different places in your back and in your heart and, you know, everywhere. So I felt like at, at, at points I was like that. I was like, just like, bleeding everywhere like there was like nothing to stop it and there was like very somber days and and because I let people that didn't know me people that didn't know what was going on affect me it is hard to talk about it because there's certain wounds that you can never really heal and um and I'm still in the healing process some some days like especially the last couple of weeks have been much better um because I was able to find my voice and I was able to find myself again. But there are some days when I talk about it and like right now I don't even know why I'm crying. I feel like I'm having therapy. Uh, it is still hard because I'm not, I'm not back in the ring. And I still have to change a lot of stuff and I still feel like I'm in limbo because I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know if I need surgery. I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm gonna get back and like I have to work extra harder to get back and not have pain when I'm wrestling with doing something that I love to do. What I've been doing for 10 years. And this is what, what, what got me where I am right now. It's wrestling and all the hard work that I did outside of wrestling. And right now I'm not letting that affect me anymore because 
I just, I think that people said what they needed to say about me and if they're going to believe whatever they're going to believe, they are going to do that. And I'm just going to keep living my life and better myself and bettering my environment. But I mean, again, I told you like, there are certain wounds that you're never going to be able to heal because it really, you, I like really let it hurt me so much. And uh, it hurt more because I always been so caring for other people. And I always try to like take my sweater and, and my jacket when somebody needs it mm-hmm. because I want them to be successful because of X and Y and Z and, and, and just feeling how I felt for like that period of time. And it really hurt because I never tried to hurt anybody. I never tried to take advantage of anybody. And, and it was just, you know, it, it was painted up like that. And, and, and that never Again, when I'm trying to heal physically, I was not able to like heal mentally. And that takes a big toll on everything in your life completely. You know, Thunder, there's no shame in showing your emotions. I I think a lot of people need to do that. It's part of the healing process, you know, and everybody kind of heals in their own way. And I mean that I mean that both physically and mentally, like, you know, there isn't a handbook on how to heal. You know, for everybody, it's completely different. People need to understand that and realize that. And, you know, I could tell, you know, that you're very open and you wear your emotions on your sleeve. And I think in a lot of ways, people took advantage of that, knowing that you're a very emotional person. And I'm glad that you're doing better. And and I can see in the last couple of weeks that you are healing both physically and mentally. And Listen, you know, being a friend of yours, you're a great person. I I know I'm a better person for having you in my life. And I know I'm not the only person that feels that way. There's so many people that feel that way. And I hope you understand that and you're you're prideful of that. And uh, there's there really shouldn't be anything that anybody says that make you feel anything differently about you. And I'll say this as well, like. I hope to see you back in the ring. I hope you can get back there physically. But if you don't, I hope you realize that you were able to accomplish and live your dream. You're you're on national television. You're on pay-per-views. You're a main eventer. You won a world championship. Like Nobody can take those things away from you. And one moment that was significant for me in your career is right after you won that world championship in a cage, you were bleeding and you, and you wiped some of that blood from your forehead and then you you put that on your on your stomach do you do you remember that moment when you did that you were taking that what what was that what was what did that signify for you when you did that i mean i wanted a i wanted my opponent to see that her blood was mixed with my blood and i was trying to ride dmd in my stomach we're we're always gonna be together in a way because of what we did for mm-hmm. women's professional wrestling and for history because that match continues to be talked everywhere that we, anywhere that I go into an interview people see that match people have talked about that match that we are bond by blood we're bond by blood we will be bond by blood forever and no matter if it's bad blood or you know or you know, the blood in the ring, we are bond by that. And, um, and that was a very, that was a very special moment because for me, that was a culmination uh, of hard work and everything that I said I was going to do at that, until that moment. Right. Um, and I honestly 
didn't know how heavy the crown could be. I knew it was going to be, it was going to be tough, but I didn't know how tough it was going to be. So, um, you know, just reflecting back and seeing them struggles, it's, 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 it's hard and, and it's hard and it's hard to watch and it's hard to like digest. Like I can't, I can't watch them. I can't watch my, some of my pictures or some of the moments that I, that I enjoy during that time because it's so painful. They still painful because I can't, I can't do it now. And, and it's just like you were saying, being patient. It's like, that's the only thing I have is just being patient and working on myself every time and not getting upset about things that are out of my control. Like I can't, I can't let that affect me anymore and how I'm going to live my day-to-day life. Uh, and, and also then I think the most important part is like not having those intrusive thoughts that says like, you should have done this. You should have done that. You should react like this. You should have not done that and blah, 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 blah. You are this, like, you're not worth it. Like, uh, you're never going to make it. I, uh, uh, what's the point? You know, that's a lot of stuff. And I know a lot of people go through that and they have some serious mental health issues. There's certain things that they can't, they can't fight. Like they just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They, they just, they just feel the heaviness and the gloominess that comes with being depressed or the physical reaction when you're being anxious in, in like the palpitations and like breathing heavily. Like I don't, I don't want to wish that on anyone is the worst thing to feel like that when you have to perform, when you have to be out, out in public, when you have to um, function as a parent, you know, it's like, that's really hard. And let's be honest. A lot of people that talk about their parents, oh, my dad, my mom, she was like, she had really serious mental health problems. She was never present. Like she was all depressed. That happens pretty often, but you know, before we didn't talk about it, but now it's like, I don't want to be that parent. I don't want to be that parent. And we're like, I'm just in my room and sleeping all day because I don't feel like facing the world. I have a 17 year old who wants to hang out and, and do things. And he's going through his own stuff. You know, I don't want him to be like, yeah, well, when I was living with her, she's like, she was a mess. You know, it's, it's, that's, those are the things that I like keep me moving. And, and also when you are brought up in, in a way and where you're always on survival mode, like when you start like having some of this episodes, you don't understand why, because you live through like much more difficult things, such as how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to go to school if I don't have food in my, on my table or money to go to school? Uh, what's going to happen next semester? I didn't make enough money to pay for my school or uh, how am I going to pay my rent? And, you know, like survival stuff. Like I went through all that through a long period of time in my life. And now, which is the easier part, a lot of the things that didn't hit me when I was back then, you know, trying to survive, didn't hit me like that. They hit me hard. And I'm just like, again, through therapy and through everything, I'm realizing that um, I don't have to live in survival mode anymore. That like when I'm going through my processes, it's going to hit me a lot harder because I let my wall down. And now I'm just like, fuck, like, this is happening, right? And before it was, there was no time to process your feelings. It was, what do I need to do? How do I get out of this? Let me do it. Move on. Next thing. And you can never enjoy the moment because you were always like, this is this is going to be taken away from me tomorrow. This is going to be taken away from me tomorrow. I got to work harder. I got to go on to the next thing. And it's just, you're like 50,000 miles per hour. But then when things slow down and then you have, you have an opportunity to like, or think that you have an opportunity to enjoy, there's always something that does not, allow you or you think that is not allowing you to to do that but what i've learned in the last nine months is like everything that i have earned 
I'm going to celebrate it. And I'm going to make a big deal out of it because it's, it's a big celebration is the culmination of hard work. Like I'm singing now. I just dropped my first single. It's a, a dream. It was another dream of mine when I was little and it's happening. And I, and I made it happen. My team made it happen. So I'm going to celebrate it. And if people don't like it. Fine. It's, it's not for them. It's, it's for me. And I, and I think that what you just said um, is really the biggest lesson of all. And that is realizing it's for me. Like, yes, I know you want to make people happy and you hope that people enjoy what you do. But at the end of the day, it's about you. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to mental health. It's just it's about you. It's about your well-being. It's about your mental health state. And and I'm glad that you're realizing it now. And I think it's going to make you enjoy your life a lot more and have a good, healthy mindset for you moving forward when you realize that it's not being selfish when you say I need to do this for me no and it's not and I think um it is important for people to understand one social media is not real that a lot of the things that are being said there uh, is people that don't have the balls and I want to say it like that the balls to come and say to your face so it is a lot easier to like write a cool tweet and, and be viral than um then go and pick up the phone and have a a rational conversation with a person and say, Hey, I have issues with you. What's up? Or to like, you know, especially if it's like one-on-one, but I mean, if it's people that don't know you, they're always going to say whatever they want. But if they see you on a signing, they're not going to come and tell you, they're not going to come pay $65 and tell you that you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, that's a line that you have to draw. And I think that's a line that I've, I've learned how to draw. And, um, and yes, I'm doing a lot of the stuff, like a lot of doing, taking the steps, the processes, to become a better person for me, for my family. And, you know, at the end of, of the end of the day for the fans, because the fans that have been with me forever, like they're going to stick this stick with me forever. So uh, I'm going to continue to do that. And, um, and for what it's worth, like it is not that hard to be a good person and to put yourself or try to put yourself in somebody's shoes. You know um, I've done that even when, that person is hurting me. I try to put myself in their shoes and understand why are they doing what they're doing. Um, so I know how to better react and not overreact. And I think that's the most important part. Well, Thunder, I love you. Uh, thank you for, you know, really teaching everyone who's listening to this about not only how you battled for healthy state of mind, but how everyone listening can have that same fight and realize how important it is to be, you know, healthy in mind, in body and spirit. And I really appreciate everything you said today. Well, thank you. I hope uh, people are not going to be like, Oh my God, she says you want to I mean, we go through our processes and it, it's mental health is real. And I don't think uh, I can tell you guys how real it is until it happened to me. You know, and I hope like, if you're feeling a certain type of way, especially with depression, because you can go down the hole real quick, um, that you understand the signs. And when you're feeling unsafe, you either pick up the phone call with somebody that you trust. And if you have the resources, reach out and really work really hard. And not for everybody else, but for you, for your own well-being. Thanks, Thunder. Thanks for the incredible candor and inspirational words. I'm sure your story will have a lot of impact on our listeners, so we really appreciate it. When we come back, I'm joined by former UFC middleweight champion Chris Weidman. 
mentally it's not been easy. That's been the hardest part about it. It's not the pain, it's not the recoveries, it's staying positive through all these tough times. That's next on The Silent Fight. This is The Silent Fight on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. The UFC is on Sirius XM. You can now listen to all the action from UFC Fight Nights and pay-per-view cards on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Hear every knockout submission and unforgettable moment live and in real time. The UFC is on your home for combat sports. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 and on the SXM app. If you don't know, now you know. Welcome back to The Silent Fight, Sirius XM Fight Nation's candid discussion on mental health in combat sports. Here's your host, Dave LaGreca. Welcome back to The Silent Fight. I'm your host, Dave LaGreca. And my last guest is former UFC middleweight champion, Chris Weidman. Chris has been fighting to get back into the octagon since a horrific leg break he suffered back in 2021. Chris, tell us about the injury that sidelined you and how you've dealt with the struggles and setbacks trying to return to MMA. I shattered my leg in half in my fight with Uriah Hall in the first 17 seconds. When I first looked at my leg, I couldn't believe it. The only time I've ever seen that before was when Anderson Silva broke his leg with me in the octagon. It was a crazy flashback and then an immediate pain. Pain was uh, unparalleled. To follow was many surgeries and infections, and it's been a really long road. At this point, I've been out of the cage for over two years, but that has not stopped me. And I'll be back in the octagon probably sometime this summer, so I could see the end of this long tunnel coming to an end very soon. So I'm pretty encouraged. But it's been a long road, and mentally it's not been easy. That's been the hardest part about it. It's not the pain. It's not the recoveries. It's staying positive through all these tough times and uh, being able to stay optimistic. And for me, the big thing is to surround myself with good people, to surround myself by family because I wouldn't be able to do without them, to have a relationship with God and just stay optimistic and to find the silver lining. Anytime that you have an injury or or you're down, there's opportunity at hand. There's moments that you could take advantage of because you have more time on your hands, you know, with, for my injury, with physical therapy and not being able to train as much and, you know, recovering from surgeries. There's been a lot more time on my hand for me to work on myself, for me to get, get to know myself better, get to understand the game of MMA better, to do things like be on SiriusXM and analyze the fighters like I, I never had a chance to do before and just, you know, become more experienced in all facets of life. So I look at these tough times as an opportunity to grow and a blessing in disguise. I truly believe that when I come back and I do have my comeback fight, I will be the best version of myself I've ever seen and and any of you as well. Well, Chris, we hope to see you back in the octagon soon. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. On behalf of all of us at SiriusXM Fight Nation, thank you for listening to The Silent Fight. We hope hearing from our athletes reminds you that even the strongest people go through the same struggles you do, and it inspires you to persevere. Never be afraid to ask for help and keep fighting to overcome any mental health hurdles you face in your lives. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? 
Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.